We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, what is up, everybody? Welcome to the Guilty as Charged podcast presented by Prize Picks. My name is Steven, and I'm the host, as always, and joining me is my guy, Tyler. Tyler, what's up, man? How you doing today? Pretty good, dude. Can't wait to react to this press conference. Yeah, man. Uh, apologies for uh, the audio here if I sound a little nasally. I successfully avoided the January sickness to only get sick on February 1st, so that's classic <laughs> Steven. Um, yeah. So hopefully, you know, I got, I got my, my tea today courtesy of starbucks to uh get through it so i apologize if i start coughing or uh, sound a little nasally today but we'll push through uh like tyler mentioned a lot of stuff to get to from the jim harbaugh press conference um we'll take some questions at one point as well so uh if you do have a question that you're dying to ask us uh probably save that towards the end obviously super chats are always going to get answered but we'll take questions here for a little bit there um, I have to say, I, I loved social media today. I, I was not able to like sit and listen to the press conference live because uh, the internet at my school bans YouTube and everything like that, and so I couldn't get on there. So I was just with you know on on Twitter with my cell phone signal. But people were tagging me, you know, with themselves in Chargers jerseys, watching the press conference. So uh, it was a it was a cool day, obviously for Chargers fans getting to introduce Jim Harbaugh. Um, and, 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 you know, loved hearing all, all the cool stories of people taking time off from work and things like that. So well done from a Chargers fan base standpoint. Um, Tyler, let's uh, we'll start here with some takeaways, like I mentioned, and then we'll get into some questions. But um, if you had to start with like one specific place, there were a lot of commonalities today from Jim Harbaugh. Um, but what was your maybe biggest takeaway or, or favorite moment from uh, pre- from the, Mr. Jim Harbaugh's press conference? Yeah, I think I'll start more general and then go more specific. So now hang hang in there with me on this. Brandon Staley's press conference was better. But that's kind of the point with Jim Harbaugh here. 
post Anthony Lynn, we were looking for a coach who had the answers, was quicker, more forward thinking, you know, and that was Brandon Staley. And he had a great press conference. But as we've seen throughout that tenure, the words were maybe empty, right? Jim Harbaugh's introductory press conference today wasn't perfect. There were tangents, there were stories, you know, some it wasn't like a rehearsed, prepared, concise, political anything. That's fair to and say. And it was exactly what Chargers fans needed, exactly what I wanted to see, because it was it was refreshing. And he stands, you know, whatever he said, it almost didn't matter because he stands on his previous work. And John Spano said as much. Is not just that he won in one place or two. It was three. It was actually four places where he had succeeded. Jim Harbaugh didn't need to get up there and be the best speaker or be the best, you know, motivator. And I think people are are pulling quotes, and there are some really good quotes and Harbaugh-isms, but I almost feel like that misses the point. The Those things that were said are cool, and they're great article headliners, but it was really just how honest and how calm, and not that other coaches were immature, but there's a certain maturity to Jim Harbaugh, and there's a presence, and you felt it. You felt it in the room. You could felt it when Dean Spanos and John Spanos were up there before Jim even got up there. It was just different and exactly what I needed as a Chargers fan because we had been sold a lot previously by you know a coach who I think was very well-spoken, very well-prepared for some answers, maybe even to the point where we could tell that he was preparing for answers during a loss. Jim Harbaugh just got up there, knew yeah. who he was, what he was about, and what he had done, and just got up there and talked. And I think was just really honest. And instead of giving the best speech anyone's ever seen, what to me was more important was hearing that he was in the weight room with a shot back, cleaning out <laughs> the little corners of everything just to like to yeah. like so everyone can see that, like, ooh, we're doing things differently here. Yeah. That sort of stuff. So a lot of great quotes, a lot of things we'll get into for sure. But I just think the demeanor was different. And I could see why, obviously, they, they would hire him and why people would follow him. It, it just reminds me of like a, a generation of, of men, I guess, that maybe it's different these days with some of the kids and some younger generations. There's a certain a presence, a, a leadership quality that I think Jim Harbaugh just has naturally. And I think the the fan base obviously is responding well to it. And I think the players certainly are too. Yeah, I think authenticity is, is kind of the word that I would use here. This was Jim Harbaugh to a T. We got all the Harbaugh-isms. You know, humble and hungry was said a bunch of times. And, um, you know, being better the next day was said a couple of times. But this, this was who Jim Harbaugh is. And I think the authenticity really shines out here. Um, you know, him quoting Shawshank Redemption in a press conference was really funny to me. Um, talking about Ted Lasso and how much he loves Ted Lasso. Like this is this is the Jim Harbaugh experience. And and he took questions for like 45 minutes. I think he maybe answered like 20% of them, which is is very different, right? But he knows how to play the game with the media. He's been a head coach for several years now at this point. You know, he's asked about uh, you know, putting more fans in the stands and he's asked about, you know, the, the Chargers poor history. And, you know, he just he kind of dances around the question and he says what he wants to say and he expresses his belief in, in who he is as a coach and, and who the players are and who he's going to bring in. Um, but this was Jim Harbaugh to a T. And, uh, you know, he, he spoke about faith, family and football. But this is this to me was a fun 
press conference to listen to. Like Brandon Staley, I, I felt like we really got in his press conference. I really feel like we understood his vision and like were able to understand like maybe why he was able to get hired. With Jim Harbaugh, I think it's just like we we just get to know Jim. Like he's just up there vibing and having a good time and and talking to his kids and talking to the fans and everything like that. So I thought this was more fun. I thought that this was a a more relaxed, more calm, like you mentioned, press conference. And, and Jim just is who he is, and he's his authentic self uh, in front of the team, in front of the coaches, in front of a press conference. Like I've seen some clips of him you know, giving speeches to his team. And it felt like that same kind of guy. Like I didn't feel like it was any kind of different. I just felt like it was Jim. I just love leading up to this too, how authentic he is and how much it doesn't really care what the image is. It's actually more important to maybe poke fun at yourself or to show a different side of yourself than just be the, I'm the coach. And then that's kind of it. You know, he can lead, it feels like someone who's comfortable in their own skin versus someone yeah. who has to project how smart they are, how great they are, their plans, their vision. Jim's Jim, you know, the, the charger social media team had him doing the Marcus Aurelius, you know, and I will have my vengeance, you know, gladiator quote, <laughs> yeah. uh, him doing a cannonball in, in his khakis, uh, going paintballing, just, you know, all that sort of stuff that I just, you know, maybe it's different at the college level, maybe, but like how often do you get to see, those sorts of things from, from your head coach. So I, I just think it was a guy that was so comfortable with who he was, you know, again, if I'm, if I'm rating on a scale of, you know, one to 10, was it a perfect 10? If I'm just looking at it as a debate or as a speech or as a press conference, not really, but it was perfect for chargers fans. And so again, we can get into the specifics of what he said, but I just think the demeanor and how he presented himself was so nice. Like I, I, I just was in my car with like goosebumps, but shutting up in a state of awe by his presence. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that, you know, people can get really excited and, you know, again, the headlines and the woo and the reactions and getting fired up. And I am, but I was more just awestruck and taken aback or starstruck, like Jim has said, because he just has a regality to him. That the Chargers have not had in a very long time. Yeah, I think that's totally fair. Um, I, I think, you know, he... Again, probably didn't answer a ton of questions, and we can certainly talk about some of the stuff. People were asking him about like cap specifics of this thing, and he's like, Joe Ortiz got here yesterday. And like you said, nothing was rehearsed, nothing was prepared. He didn't have everything memorized. He's like, We just got here, but we're ready to kick some ass and we're gonna give it our all here. And I think that's a refreshing sentiment to hear in a press conference where things have a tendency to be very, very rehearsed. Like I was not listening to, but I saw some quotes from Mike McDonald's press conference and they were like, what do you think about Devon Witherspoon? And like, what do you think about Kenneth Walker? And like, you could tell he was like trying not to say nothing, but trying to like impress them with like what he knew about them. Jim's just like, hey man, I just got here. <laughs> so like, we're going to take a beat and we're going to do the coaching staff first and then we'll figure everything else out. So it was just refreshing. Jim Harbaugh is the same way at, at every press conference, every interview. And, and I think that is, it, it's important to see. So we're probably not going to get a ton of answers from Jim Harbaugh in press conferences, but uh, you know, it is what it is. That's who he is as a person. So I think what we can start off in terms of specifics here, um, very clear again, Jim Harbaugh's intentions coming to the chargers. He cited his uh, hourglass, you know, sentiment. Again, he only has so much time left as a coach. 
and he wants to win a Super Bowl and multiple Super Bowls, which I think is is a, definitely a good thing to hear because not that I've been like concerned about only winning like one Super Bowl, but like I've had this thought of like, okay, like if the Chargers won the Super Bowl in three years, like maybe Harbaugh just like hangs it up. But that's not the case. Like he wants to truly be one of the best all-time coaches. And I think he does that by winning multiple Super Bowls. So, um, you know, he said that he had a conversation with Dean Spanos about how hungry he is to win in the NFL. And Dean said, I'm starving. And so I, I think everybody is aligned now that this is the time for them to like really ratchet up things towards truly competing for a Super Bowl. And that's why Harbaugh is here. He's not here to make friends. He's not here to give great press conferences. He's here to win football games. He's here to win a Super Bowl. And that is the ultimately the most important thing. So I love that it was expressly stated right from the jump. I'm here to win a Super Bowl. Yeah, his sentiment was, well, you coach and then you die. I think at some point it's, <laughs> it's like, yeah. okay, I guess. <laughs> Hopefully there's more than Hopefully that. Hopefully he doesn't die while he's coaching still. <laughs> no, he's going to coach first and then he's going to yeah. die. Um, I, listen, I don't know how long Jim plans on being the head coach for. But you are seeing that Pete Carroll, Bill Belichick, these guys are like 72, 73 or whatever. Jim's yeah. got a ways to go. But it is only about if you're if you're saying that that is about the age, that's about a decade, 12 years, 13 years. Right. So it's not a long time and he has to get it done now. And frankly, that's about as long as Herbert probably has too. Uh, hopefully it plays longer, of course. But if we're, if we're being completely honest, 10 more years and then we'll sort of see. But that's maybe as long as Herbert has too. So I think that he understands that. And I think the Chargers understand this is the best. Justin Herbert may be the best quarterback, the Chargers, most talented quarterback the Chargers will ever have. It is very possible that is the case. Rivers was a great quarterback. Fouts was a great quarterback. You could argue both are better. But Herbert's the most talented quarterback the Chargers may ever have. And it's up to Jim Harbaugh and the Chargers now to get it done. And I love the idea of multiple Lombardis. And even if Jim decides to hang it up, let's say it takes a few years, they do win one, and that's the that's that that's it for him. I do feel confident in the potential succession plan. We'll see who's around, who's on the team, who the coaches are. But I feel that Jim also understands, and as I think he did with Michigan, yeah. how to put the right guys in place so that sure, maybe it's not Jim Harbaugh 2.0. You don't get the exact same guy, but there is a really good plan in place in the off chance that he does hang things up in a bit. Yeah, he's done that pretty much everywhere he's been except for San Francisco, which is a discussion we can have another time or probably not ever. But, you know, he had San Diego ready to rock after he left. Stanford, obviously, he had David Shaw ready to rock. Michigan, Sharon Moore. So, like, it, it is important there. I think Joe Hortiz. I'm also confused because I've heard, like, hard H Hortiz. Other people have just said, like, straight up Ortiz. So, uh, would love some clarity there. <laughs> I would imagine we get some on Tuesday, but that's an aside. Um, I think Joe is is that guy. Like, J like they'll work together, and this is definitely something we can talk about. But once Jim leaves, like Joe's going to be the guy. I think essentially to kind of take things over. He's obviously not a coach, but you know he's going to be the one to make sure that the next era of Chargers football um, gets carried into. So um, we can talk about that arrangement. I think getting back real quickly to your point about. Justin Herbert. I love how he talked about Justin Herbert today. Like if anything from like a Jim Harbaugh, like sentences, like this is my number one takeaway aside from the mm -hmm. Super Bowl, is that 
he loves Justin Herbert. Like he said that he wakes up early because he feels pressure to like get Justin Herbert, the coach that he deserves to coach a team that Justin Herbert deserves. Like he already has so much belief in what Justin Herbert is and can be going forward. And I, I think it just really shows like, you know, that, that Mike Greenberg funeral story, we had a lot of fun making fun of it, but um, it, he loves Justin Herbert. I, I think that belief in who the Chargers have at quarterback is legitimately real. And he believes that the combination of him and Justin working together can, can really, you know, get them to a Super Bowl. And I, and you called him a crown jewel of the NFL. And I think there's like that real belief and desire to get things right around Justin Herbert and be able to take him and his development to new heights. So aside from like the belief, like I'm here to win a Super Bowl, my second biggest takeaway is here that the belief in Justin Herbert is real from Jim Harbaugh. He's comfortable with who he is, that Jim Harbaugh. You could, that question could have been answered and, and generally is answered the same way yeah what are you excited about with justin herbert what are you going to do to help justin herbert how are you going to fix justin Herbert? how are you going to fix this offense and i think harbaugh is the only person whether it's a player who was drafted or someone who was signed or another coach coordinator or whatever i think harbaugh is the only guy to go that he makes us better i like yeah. sure we're doing this as a team but he makes us better so i have to raise my game for him it's not that oh, i'm gonna fix justin herbert and like, sure, he, of course, like they want to win together. They want to get the wins for Justin Herbert. And he expressed as much, but it's not just about how I'm going to fix him. It's yeah. he understands that Justin Herbert is going to do a lot for me. And I got to get up and pound coffee and wake up really early <laughs> to watch things. And like I said, you know, yeah. vacuum the weight room facility, which by the way, was it not before? Uh, you know, <laughs> get those things done to make sure that we are here and building this team for justin herbert let's help him yeah you know not not just how can we fix him or what what other people can i put around him to make him better no like he makes me better and i gotta step up my game just to be there for him and i really loved hearing that yeah i, I think you know it, I, i've said this before but you know justin kind of does remind me of of andrew luck from a play style standpoint from a personality standpoint you know, Andrew was a little bit more vocal and a little bit more out there, but, you know, same kind of like quirky, you know, not super social personality standpoints. But when they get on the field, man, like there's a real like connect there. So it may, it's always made sense to me why Jim would like Justin and and watch his tape and be really excited about it. But I think it's, it's again, just kind of refreshing for to hear a coach come in and say, you know, he's put up a lot of stats or whatever. You know, he was rookie of the year. He's like, no, straight up, like, I believe in Justin Herbert and I'm going to work my tail off to make sure that Justin Herbert gets the best version of me. And I think that is is a really exciting part. And he talked about some of the other players as well, which we can get into. Um, but just his belief in Justin Herbert really shown through today. And, you know, we'll see from a coaching staff point. He, I don't know if that's really going to be the best coaching staff around Justin Herbert, but I believe in Jim Harbaugh's vision for Justin Herbert and, and the ability to support him is is the right vision at this point. Yeah, I'm gonna let my dog out real quick. I'll be right back. Sorry, dog. You, you got to oh dog out. Okay, dog out. Yeah, I heard a different thing. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, okay, all right. While Tyler's gone, I'll take some questions here. Um, so hopefully that's a quick one. It was pretty quick last time. Um, 
Kevin pointing out, not here to just play seconds of Casey and Kermit. I love the mentality. I think that there's like this mentality among media that like, why would you come to the AFC West to have to play Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid twice a year? And and I don't think Jim is is shying away from that. And obviously the the circumstances of the NFC West versus the AFC West are very different from when the last time he was in the NFL. But I mean, he's he's talked about how much he wants to compete against his brother. And I know there was like a report from Colin Coward that was saying that he might not want to do that. Jim's coming for everybody. And that includes Kansas City Chiefs and, and uh, Patrick Mahomes, Andy Reid, everybody. That includes his brother. And I love that mentality. I think it's the right mentality to have. Um, Kareem uh, is Angstrand, Tanner Angstrand, for those who don't know. Uh, your guy's favorite OC option now. What makes him so desirable? Um, he is on this show. I know Tyler and I are both big fans of his. Um, just the the ability to get some of that Detroit Lions uh, passing offense, I think, is is super crucial. I think it would fit Justin Herbert's skill set uh, to a T. You know, being able to get all these deep play action concepts in here. Not to say that Jim Harbaugh doesn't have access to those, um, but I, I just love the the melding of minds that could come from Tanner Engstrand and Jim Harbaugh working together. Um, he does seem kind of like the next man up uh, in Detroit. He's interviewed three other places or going to interview three other places. He interviewed in New England. He's going to interview in Tampa and now Seattle. So um, he he is a hot commodity for sure in terms of the offensive, can, offensive coordinator ranks. He has called plays previously, uh, obviously in college and in the XFL. So it's a little bit different there. Um, but just listening to the way that Dan Campbell has spoken about him, he's he's been ex, he's been uh, I was going to say exponential. That's the wrong word. Um, crucial in building out their passing attack and helping you know everybody get on the same page. So I, I think there's a lot to like there. He's obviously a younger guy, and I think I just like that upside of having a young OC that has a history with Harbaugh um, that can kind of grow into you know a higher end role because the Chargers don't. I hesitate to say this. They don't necessarily need like an elite offensive coordinator because Jim Harbaugh is going to be so involved. Um, so I do like the idea of having a younger guy grow into that role, um, provide some longevity and upside here, uh, as opposed to maybe kind of a, a retread. Um, some draft questions we can certainly get into. Roster questions we will get into here in a minute. Um, Athir, I just saw your comment. So if you have that question, bud, you can go free and uh, go ahead and ask it. <laughs> yeah, the Trey Pickens thing was was funny. I would love to know the circumstances there. If like Trey was leaving and Jim was just landing or like how exactly that happened. Um People are going to make a bigger deal out of that. I think it was just kind of a coincidence that he happened to run into Trey. And run, run into Trey. Uh, obviously, we know Trey trains in Dallas. So, uh, you know, it is funny. I, I like that he highlighted how he's a big kid. So I, I do think Trey fits what Harbaugh usually likes at tackle for what it's worth. Um, we can dive into that here in a little bit, though. But it was a funny story. Uh, Steven Jaho, he will retire Andy Reid. Hopefully, man, I uh, I think I've shared this before. My, my, my brother was in Philadelphia. Uh, hey, Tyler, what's up? Hello. So my brother was in Philadelphia uh, when Andy Reid was still the Eagles coach. My brother got to eat dinner with him. So I, I don't hate Andy Reid as a person. 
but I would love to see him stop coaching. Yes. All right, Tyler. Um, okay. So we talked about Herbert. We talked about the championship thing. Um, do you have another area that was maybe super important from today? I have, I have another one that we can get to, but did you have another one? Okay. I'm going to assume where you're going and, and go in a different direction. I think, I don't think this is any surprise and we have not really discussed this as an option, but some fans have discussed moving on from Derwin James, trading Derwin James. Mm. That ain't happening, guys. Jim yeah. Harbaugh has mentioned him maybe even more times than Justin Herbert or Keenan Allen at this point. And sure, as a defensive guy, I understand why Staley would have been excited about Derwin and getting the extension and the chess piece and all that. I am kind of surprised that Jim Harbaugh brings him up as much as he does. Um, but I'm not surprised having met him that he brings him up as much as he does. Derwin James, only two players of when you kind of like lock eyes with them made me speechless, you know, and, and being on the practice field last year. Derwin yeah. was one of them. The other one was yeah. Philip Rivers. Uh, it's just a different presence. You know, you look him in the eyes and, and Keenan, I'm sure as well. And it's like, oh, okay, it's superstar, just instant superstar. That's Derwin. That's who he is. So uh, the frequent mentions of him, I don't really think it changed anything in terms of how we view anything, but I think fans can pretty much safely bet now that Derwin is, is certainly returning um, or, or staying on, I should say. Yeah, definitely, you know, important to point out, uh, it's always Justin and then Derwin, like very clearly those two. And then he always thinks a little bit about the other guys. Today we got Rashawn, so it was nice to hear him, him talk about Rashawn. Um, but it's always Justin and Derwin, those two guys. And that makes sense because those two have been the leaders of the team, the faces of the franchise for the last two, three years. Um, and I know that Derwin had a down season. To me, there was so much going on in the Brandon Staley defense and like him trying to play six or seven different positions. The officiating got to him, I think. It, it just became a situation where Derwin was thinking far too much and not playing fast. And then we saw, after Brandon Staley was fired, the last three games, we saw the best three games of Derwin's season. You know, they reduced his role a little bit. They played him in the slot one game. They played him in the box exclusively one game. And, and it just worked out. But when he was bringing up Derwin, he was, like, fired up. Like, he hit his chest. He was like, let's go. Like, talk about somebody that fires me up. So, Derwin's a pillar of the franchise. Like, I, I don't – I think that's the best way to describe it right now. I believe that in presumably Jesse Minter's scheme that Derwin James will get back to being a Pro Bowl, potential all-pro kind of safety. I have been watching the Michigan defense. I watched some more of it today to watch the, the linebacker, Junior Colson. Um, Jesse Minter is going to have a ton of fun coaching Derwin James. I can say that. I, I The ideas that are coming to my mind of like Jesse Minter and Derwin James getting together is is a ton of fun and i can only imagine what like a coach is going to feel watching that so you mentioned the physical presence he's the size of a linebacker but runs a 4-3 like he's he's an incredible athletic specimen as we all know i think jesse minter and company are going to get him right and i think derwin james is going to have a magnificent bounce back season in 2024 i agree do you put any stock into who was not mentioned I do to a certain extent. Uh, I don't know what your take is on this, but I think the one thing I've learned about Jim Harbaugh is he is not going to speak on uncertainties. So until he knows the future of a specific player, I don't think we're going to hear him even talk about them in like a positive light, negative light or anything. 
So he's mentioned Keenan Allen. Keenan Allen was at the Pro Bowl today and said, I'm not going anywhere. So we know Keenan's coming back. So we did that show just in the right of time on Tuesday to talk about Keenan's future. Um, so Keenan's back. Until they make a decision about Khalil and Joey and Mike Williams, I don't think we're going to hear him speak about those three because it's too uncertain right now. He, he cannot confidently say and speak about these guys because he doesn't know if they're going to be on the team. Yeah, that's I, – I don't know if that's how much I, I buy into it. So I agree with you. Him not speaking on uncertainties makes sense. Does that mean, I guess, then, that Khalil Mack is an uncertainty? Um, I think the next guy, in terms of who's the next most certain um, of the big four, other than Keenan, I think is Khalil Mack. So if he's not ready to speak on him yet, then I guess there maybe is something potentially – it could be just reading into nothing, but yeah, I just, uh, I think everyone's mentioning even here, like the mention of Trey Pipkins in here, you know, that sort of thing. Who's mentioned, who's not. Um, yeah. yeah so I was just curious how you felt about those. Yeah. The Trey stuff, I just think was kind of a funny coincidence, like meeting him at the airport um, for what it's worth. He did say that he's, he's met or at least texted with everybody on the team at this point. Um but I, like we kind of talked about this on Tuesday that when you get this new regime, like everything's kind of on the table. I think that does include like moving on from Khalil Mack. Maybe it also includes moving on from Joey Bosa, both at the same time. But I, I, I still tend to think that Khalil will be back um, because I just think like it, 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 it's hard for me to envision them cutting him outright. And I don't know how much they get for him in a trade. Like, I know that he just had a 17-sack season, but he is going to be 33. You know, the league has kind of seen, like, Vaughn Miller and Chandler Jones and these guys, their contracts age very poorly. So I still tend to think that the most likely outcome is that Khalil plays out his existing contract, and then they'll see. But I, I think if they get – if they're able to get a third-round pick for Khalil Mack, I think you have probably have a hard time passing that up. Hmm. I don't know. I'd get it. You guys can go back and watch our show about the whole Mac <laughs> thing. Yeah. I don't know, man. But do you have any inclination one or one way or the other about him? No, no not yet, honestly. Okay. What about Joey? Where are you at with Joey now? I think I think mean, I think Joey's gone regardless. For, in any variety of ways. I think he's gone. Yeah. The the situation with Joey, I think they could maybe be a little bit more patient with. Like, I know everybody's going to want them to be all aggressive in free agency. I, I don't think that's going to happen personally. Maybe like a, a semi-big move here or there. Um, but if they make the moves that we kind of outlined on Tuesday, they could wait on Joey and designate him as a post-June 1st cut and maximize the cap savings. Um but you have to be kind of willing to wait. Like that's the that's the deal there is that you you don't get that cap relief until June first. So I, I tend to think that Joey is is gone, but depends kind of how they go about that. I think it's tough because I don't recall a post June first like that for the Chargers, but new GM. So yeah, I said anything's on the table. Yeah, um, we did kind of talk about this with the Keenan extension, and I was listening to. Um, Shoot, I'm totally blanking on which podcast I was listening to. I think it might have been the Athletic Football Show. Or no. No, no, no. It was The Ringer. They were talking about the Ravens and like their 
future free agent guys. So the Ravens have been known and are a proponent of using the void years like at a pretty significant rate after i was listening to this episode i looked at all the contracts and they have a lot of guys with void years attached to them so that's going to be a change for the chargers from a financial standpoint and i think it just gives them a little bit more flexibility with a guy like keenan allen you can do you know add one year of an extension then do like a void year you can go to Khalil Mack and say, hey, like we're going to stretch some of your money out to next year. We're going to add a void year. You know, I, I think I'd be curious to see what their approach is in, in that regard of using void years as a way to free up some money. Yeah, they could definitely do that, but I'm not going to call Arjun again to figure out how that all works. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> as we tried to do the other day. Um, okay, uh, the next thing that I wanted to highlight here is the relationship between Jim Harbaugh and Joe Hortiz. I'm going to say Hortiz until I hear otherwise, just because it starts with an H. Um, I thought his comment was really funny about how he wanted to be Batman during the season, but he wanted Joe to be Batman during the off season, And they would essentially take turns being Batman and Robin for each other. Um you know, he he mentioned he didn't participate in in the previous GM interviews, um, but he did participate in the second round of interviews with Brandon Brown and Joe Hortiz. He said both of them were fantastic candidates, but obviously the relationship with Joe goes back much further. There's obviously the stamp of approval from his brother, um, but it was it was reported that Jim was going to have like final say of the roster from Jordan Schultz. Um, Based on what he said today, Joe Hortiz, I mean, rightfully so, he's a very respected GM candidate, now GM. He's going to have a lot of say in how things go, too. So I, I just, I thought it was important that he kind of highlighted their relationship and how much of a collaboration is going to be happening. Um, and I like the way that he used it. Obviously, Batman and Robin is is kind of a famous sidekick one. But <laughs> sounds like things there are, are obviously pretty chummy and off to a great start right now. Yeah, very, very good start. Of course, the seal of approval from his brother. And I really think Hortiz, if nothing else, he's been in the league for a very long time. And there's very much an aspect, very much so an aspect of, well, what did I miss over these few years? Because, um, you know, Harbaugh was a coach in the NFL in 2014. It's been a bit. And Hortiz has seen so many players come and go yeah. and has been scouting and looking at different players and free agents and everything. There's at this point, like Harbaugh has to lean on Hortiz because Harbaugh's not that he doesn't know some of the players and he doesn't like pay attention to football, but there's just another few layers that someone who's in the NFL and works with player personnel, director of college scouting, et cetera. Like he's in the shit basically looking <laughs> for players, knowing all the players. And so, yeah, I, it totally makes sense that at least right now he really has to lean on Hortiz. Good relationship. Uh, seems so far. Can't wait to hear what he has to say. Yeah. I'm, I'm so excited for the draft with these two guys in tow, man. Like Jim Harbaugh has recruited or coached a bunch of these guys coming in the draft. Uh, I went back and found that he did recruit uh, Mr. Brock Bowers. Uh, very, it was a very sought after recruit of his. There was a picture of the recruitment and everything. And a quote from Brock Bowers saying it was crazy to sit down with Jim Harbaugh. Obviously he chose Georgia, which was objectively a better, significantly better program at that time. Uh, obviously that was coming off the COVID season, um, when Michigan was kind of struggling and Georgia was very much in the national championship picture. Um, but just this, the potential of the draft of having arguably one of the best scouts 
in the league and Jim Harbaugh, who's coached and recruited a bunch of these guys. It's a lot of fun, man. Uh, the, the possibilities for the draft are really, really exciting for me right now. Yeah, it's so wide open. They could trade back. In instances, they could trade up. They could take whatever, take this. And yet I feel like all Chargers fans, we, we're like, okay, yeah, whatever you choose. I think we're all pretty okay. We won't be come draft night. But I think for the most part, we trust that even if it's something we don't completely agree with, there's a vision there and a, a sort of development there that hasn't really been there for the Chargers. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. Um, next thing I was going to get to here was actually, you know, from the Super Chat as well. So good timing from Eric's part. Um, what do you guys think about Jim's comments, R.E. Jesse Minter? Sounds like it's in progress, but not concrete. Anything to be worried about? So a couple of things here. Um, Sharon Moore is on the Pat McAfee show today and confirmed that Ben Herbert and Jesse Minter, potentially other coaches, are leaving Michigan to follow Jim Harbaugh to the Chargers. Um, Jim can obviously not confirm Jesse Minter right now. Like he can't say Jesse Minter is my guy, uh, cause they do have to do an interview process. Um, they really only have to interview one other person. Um, but they can't officially hire him until they, that happens. Um, Jim did confirm that Ben Herbert is going to be the strength and conditioning coach. Um, very excited about that and what that's going to look like at the new, new facility there. Um, Tyler, any concern for you about Minter maybe? Cause I mean, Mike McDonald's the head coach in Seattle now. Uh, I mean, the Ravens promoted Zach Gore, but there's, there's some other defensive coordinator openings out there that theoretically Jesse Minter could go interview for, uh, any concern for you about that not happening? Nope. All right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think that's fair. I, I think he's the guy, the other coaching staff thing though is offensive coordinator. I very much appreciate Daniel Popper specifically asking the question about how much will familiarity uh, mean for his offensive coordinator hire. Um, but they're still going through the process. But obviously, Greg Roman and his uh, coaching resume looms over the Chargers right now. Yes. Uh, that That's just a wait and see. And I, I will find a way to make it work in my brain. <laughs> The run game is going to be sick. <laughs> oh, such a good run game, guys. Yeah. So we'll see what happens there. Um, Jay Harbaugh, the, the Pat McAfee guys did not ask Sharon more about Jay Harbaugh. That is still presumed to be happening. We're just kind of waiting for what role it's going to specifically be in. Um, Jim was asked by Chris Rim about specifically uh, Ryan Ficken and Derek Anzi, who still are technically the Chargers coordinators. Um, and Jim just said they're going through a process right now. Man, we're going to lose Ficken. I, I still have hope. I still have hope. I do too. That's, um, I have more hope for that situation. Yeah. Yeah. I think I, cause you can make Jay Harbaugh work in another place. You don't have to put Jay Harbaugh as the special teams coordinator. He's only done it for two years. He's mm. coached other positions. So I still tend to think that Ryan Ficken's resume will ultimately win out, even though there's no like previous connection there. Um, Derek Anzi's not sticking around. Derek Anzi's not going to be the defensive coordinator. I kind of expect him to go to maybe like the Falcons with Raheem Morris or maybe wherever mm -hmm. Brandon Staley ends up. But um, Derek Anzi's not sticking around. But Ryan Ficken, I think, has a good chance of sticking around because of his resume. 
I know that the organization was pushing for him to stick around with Jim Harbaugh. So I, I, I still think that Ficken still ends up being the Chargers special teams coordinator. God, I hope so. Or, or I just, or, or hopefully Jay takes the Chargers to new heights for first overall for three years. And yeah, th- th- that's going to be a tough one. That That's going to be a tough one for me. Yeah. If they replace Ryan Ficken with his son, again, that this is part of the Jim Harbaugh experience, but we don't have to like all of the Jim Harbaugh experience. <laughs> no, we can, we can be honest about it. Yeah. So Michigan special teams under Jay Harbaugh was pretty middle of the pack. Um, previously when he was not the special teams coordinator, Michigan actually had a very strong special teams track record. Uh, I don't know if that was a recruiting thing, if they just didn't have a punter they liked or didn't have the kicker they liked, but the track record under Jay Harbaugh is uh, not great on special teams. Mm -hmm. There's going to be a question at some point, like, okay, who's the surprise regression candidate this year? If Ficken isn't there, man, I might say Cameron Dicker. And I know that Ryan Ficken literally does not. I don't think he makes Cameron Dicker a better kicker. Really, he does. At the same time, like, the dude's magic. So I I would probably more so say Darius Davis or J.K. Scott. Mm. I think Dicker is just, like, objectively like that dude. But there is obviously a special connection between Cameron Dicker and, and Ryan Ficken. Yeah. And there is Davis and Ryan Ficken. And J.K. Scott and Ryan Ficken. And Josh Harrison and Ryan Ficken. So... The man yeah. is a great coach. I hope that Jim Harbaugh is able to realize that and, and keep him around. Yeah, and I don't think the special teams will be bad by any means. It's just it's not the weaponized third phase of football yeah. that it has been. Yeah, I don't think it'll be George Stewart bad under Jay Harbaugh. <laughs> I better but not it's be. not going to be Ryan Ficken good. I feel pretty confident in saying that. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, well. Um, all right, Tyler. Did you have any other... Uh, Specific takeaways from the press conference? Um, I don't believe so. I think that was most of it. I think we've hit on all of it. Okay. There is one question I've seen floating around on social media. Jim Harbaugh has talked several times about the offensive line here. Mm. Um, Does anything we've heard today or recently change maybe how you're thinking about how they handle the offensive line in free agency or the draft nope i think that now if they trade back and they get to 12 and one of the three tackles is maybe they're like okay i could see that changing but as it currently stands no i think that they are going to roll with trey find somebody else to be the swing or push him as a rookie and i think that yes the emphasis is on offensive line but the emphasis on offensive line for Greg Roman, Jim Harbaugh, whoever the offensive line coach is, as it's not acquiring more players, it's maximizing the guys you have. It's yeah. making Zion better. It's making Jamari better, who he watched shut down Aiden Hutchinson while playing tackle. Yeah. You know, like it's going to be about maximizing the players you have and making them better and what they were, you know, set out to be. Like I will, I will never fault myself for saying Zion Johnson's a good pick um, at the spot they took Zion Johnson because good prospect, good stats smart kid dominated the senior bowl there's nothing else you really could have had unless there was some faulty thing that you couldn't find unless there was something in interviews 
So to me, it's about maximizing a player like that who has everything and turning him into what he's supposed to be. So I don't, I don't think there's more offensive line to be you know added except for center, which is the obvious one. I just think they're going to make everyone else better. Yeah, I think that's the right way to look at that. And I know that I've caught some flack this year on social media because of Zion and how he's not lived up to his potential. And I think that's fair to say. Like, uh, I've been upfront about that. He has not played like a first-round pick is expected to play. That being said, the coaching has not been the best. He's dealt with several guys moving in and out of the lineup next to him, whether it was last year and the center spot and the right tackle spot or this year in the center spot. That cohesion is super important from an offensive line standpoint. And I, I've always believed that Zion's issues are correctable. It just hasn't like it just hasn't clicked with him. Um, it hasn't clicked with the coaching. And we've said this, like he's good in games for like 90% of the plays, but the the issues are like backbreaking issues. Like his his one or two pressures allowed always end up hitting Herbert. You know, or his one, you know, miss block in the run game is a seven yard tackle for loss kind of deal. So I believe that this new regime can get him right. And I think Sawyer too, like Sawyer has clearly not taken to guard the way that I would have hoped, but he's only ever played there for one year in his NFL career. So I think this, this group will maximize his talent in terms of the draft. I, I said this on Alex's Twitter space, but I think. The right tackle spot is more of a Joe Hortiz question than it is a Jim Harbaugh question. Because mm. I think Jim's going to look at this offensive line group and say, hey, like we need a center, but I can work with these guys. I think Joe Hortiz could look at right tackle and say, hey, you know what? Like maybe we do need kind of a long-term guy there. Trey is probably only, only going to be under contract for one more year. Let's get some new blood in there and let's have a competition. But... At the same time, Joe's going to look at this roster and say, hey, like I don't have any tight ends I trust right now. I don't have any corners I trust right now. Right. I need defensive line help. I need edge help. So it, it's it kind of becomes what a, what can you live with in year one question for Joe Hortiz. Yeah, I agree. And that's that's part of the calculus. It's not just, okay, upgrade at Pipkins. Great. You have no tight end. You're yeah. lacking at wide receiver. You probably cut Mike Williams. Joey might be gone. Maybe Khalil Mack is traded. You have no corners, technically no second safety, you know, so great. Now you have a right tackle who you're hoping will do well and your yeah. right tackle that you already had is an expensive backup, which in a in a normal deep competing team world, hey, not bad, but the Chargers, like, they don't have a ton of options. Yeah, and this is a great and deep offensive line, offensive tackle class. Like, I am six guys through the class right now and the seventh and eighth and ninth guys all kicked ass at the senior bowl this week. So it's a great group. Daniel Jeremiah mm -hmm. had uh, eight in his top 20. Like it's, it's insane. This offensive tackle class is great. So I think that does lend itself towards being a little bit patient at right tackle and maybe kind of supplement it with like a third or fourth round pick. But then again, the Chargers have so many other needs. I don't know if they can afford to take a swing tackle in the first four rounds in this draft. No, I think you you use your draft on the center and you use your money on the swing tackle type. I think whatever they have, I, I assume, I haven't looked yet, but I, I think there's more options there than there are centers, in yeah. which case there are three. Yeah. So 
It's going to be a lot of fun. Draft cycle is going to be super fun. I, I think it's a little dangerous right now to say they're definitely doing this at five right now. They could certainly trade back. I, I think everything is on the table there. Mm-hmm. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Hey, what's up, Chargers fans? Make Little Caesars the official pizza sponsor of the NFL, part of your game day. Order online during our Pizza Pizza pregame, one hour before NFL games, and get ready for some football and fun. Choose your favorite Little Caesars pizza or pick the toppings you crave. Either way, you win. And speaking of winning, everyone scores with convenient delivery or our in-store pizza portal pickup. So grab some friends and enjoy a few slices during the tastiest hour before Chargers kickoff. Hey, it's Tyler from the Guilty as Charged podcast. I'm here to talk about prize picks. PrizePix is a skill-based, real-money daily fantasy sports game. How does it work? You pick two to six players, and if they will go more or less than their PrizePix projection. Watch your progress update in real time, win up to 25 times your entry amount, and cash out your winnings with quick scoring, settling, and withdrawals. PrizePix offers frequent discounts, bonuses, and other exciting offers. Players can enjoy community-wide promotions, including weekly promotions like Taco Tuesday and Flex Friday. I've loved using prize picks so far. This week's I've got Justin Herbert with more than 284.5 passing yards and Keenan Allen with more than 82.5 receiving yards. To make your selections, go to prizepicks.com guilty and use code guilty for our first deposit match up to $100. That's prizepicks.com guilty and use code guilty for a first deposit match up to $100. All right, uh, we'll get to some questions here. Um, so if you guys have anything you want from today or anything related to the draft, free agency, whatever, we'll take questions for about 15 minutes. So feel free and fire away. We'll start with uh, this super chat from Joe Cruz. So Harbaugh has mentioned Herbert James Allen multiple times. Do you think that Allen is safe? So uh, I think... Keenan, I'll already answer this question. Keenan thinks he's safe, and I think we tend to agree. Yeah, I even think last year there was more uncertainty where it wasn't until a few days before free agency where 
Keenan posted something and then the Chargers posted something like he's here to stay or, or whatever it was. Uh, I mean, this is it was I, I, was the interview today or yesterday. Either way, either way. It's it was February like 1st. it was like an hour ago. Yeah. So either way, February 1st, like he's that's it's much earlier in this process. Like, yeah, I'm not going anywhere. So I, he's not going anywhere. Keenan's not going anywhere. He's probably not going anywhere next year either. Uh, good question from Cameron here. What current D-line players are back next season and fit with Minter's scheme? So, obviously, Sebastian Joseph Day is gone. Austin <laughs> Johnson is a free agent. Yeah. So, from last year, there is uh, Morgan Fox, who still has another received two years or one year left. He's got one more year. So, he's still under contract. Obviously, you have Otito Ogbonia, who they drafted last year, and Scott Matlock from last year. And then you have kind of the more unproven guys, um, Gerard Clark, as well as CJ Okoye. Mm -hmm. I think I'm missing anybody else. Did you say Matlock? I did. Hinton? I did not say Hinton. So Christopher Hinton obviously went to Michigan, Yes, for what it's worth. Minter wasn't there. Minter wasn't there. Jim was. Jim was. Yeah, yeah, Herbert was. Yeah, Yeah, there you go. I think this is more specific because Otito and and Matlock are going to be here. Yeah. I mean, they just drafted them. We can talk about their specific fits, but there's no point in cutting those two. The question is on Morgan Fox, who you don't gain a ton of cap space in cutting him. Maybe you could trade him for a day three pick or something like that. So what do you make of Fox specifically in this uh, current regime? He sticks around. He's... Fortunately for the Chargers, unfortunately for him, very inexpensive. And even if all he is is a third down rusher, which is what the Chargers sort of felt last year, we'll see if that changes. Even if he's just a designated pass rusher sort of guy, still worth it. The money is not that expensive, whatever it is. The fact that I don't know how much he costs this year means it was probably worth it because uh, I didn't need to look yeah. and do that math. You don't save a ton. You trade him. What do you get? A seventh, sixth, maybe. Is any of the are any of those players is Matlock going to be better than Morgan Fox this year? No. So I think you hold on to Morgan Fox and he's a starter. Yeah. I don't think they really have a choice. Like you would have to really be aggressive at the defensive line spot. Like, you know, the, the media members are saying, like, oh, like they should go sign Justin Matabike. Like, obviously, I would love Justin Matabike, <laughs> but <laughs> don't think they can afford him. Uh, so I think it just makes sense to keep Fox this year, add maybe another cheap veteran, you draft somebody else. But I think Morgan Fox is the best guy they have in the room right now. I think he does fit what Jesse Minter would want from a three technique, five technique. Like there is, whenever I watch the Michigan tape, they do have, I forget his first name, but he's number 55. Graham is his last name. He does kind of float between edge and five tech, three tech. Like they, they do generally have a guy who is versatile across the line. Um, Morgan Fox can do that. There's some guys in the drafts can, that can do that as well. Um, but I, I think Morgan Fox fits. He's so efficient and effective as a pass rusher. Mason Graham. Thank you, Anthony. Um, but yeah, to me, it just doesn't make any sense to move on from Fox. I think you keep him around. He's kind of the vet in the new, in the new, uh, D tackle room. And I think he can have a good season with Jesse Minter. Yeah, I agree. Um, oh, nice. Anthony Hopper, long supporter of the show, is moving back to California in June. Uh, going to be recruiting in Harbor City. So love to hear that. Um, thank him for his service as well. And hopefully we can uh, meet up for some training camp or a game. Yeah, I think Anthony was our first giveaway winner back he in was. the day. 
He was yeah. indeed. Was indeed. Uh, question from Len here. Based on Hortz's uh, Ravens history, are there any themes or common moves that we can expect him to make? Hmm. I, mean, I think you've gotten into a lot of them. Is there a specific move? Not really, but you mentioned in the in the show we just did on the Chargers channel, they moved up three spots, back four spots, back six spots. Use those picks to get this player. Use yeah. those picks to get that player. I think it's just flexibility. So is there a particular move? Not necessarily, but I think the theme is flexibility. Um, yeah. Otherwise, if he keeps what the Ravens were doing, comp picks will obviously be a big thing. The Chargers will suddenly end up, you know, maybe not next year, but the following year with, hey, look at this, three comp picks. Awesome. I think we'll start seeing more of that too. Yeah, so they they are projected to get a comp pick for Drew Tranquil. It's only a seventh rounder, but you know, seventh rounder with Joe Ortiz probably means more than it previously did. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think Joe and the Ravens are certainly proponents of like going to get your guys. Like they'll trade up, trade down, they'll play the board. That's definitely a commonality. I think from what I counted, there was only one draft in the last 10 years where they didn't make a single draft weekend trade. Mm. They just stuck and picked, and it was only because they had like four picks that year. Yeah. So expect a trade for sure. Um, I went through today actually and was looking at it, and they double dipped at tight end specifically four different times since 2010. So I kind of would expect that to happen this year given how much how important the position is to jim harbaugh and how barren the wider the tight end room is right now yeah wow four times four times uh let me pull up the list but yeah it was four so times. i forget that i mean obviously andrews I, I remember one of each i don't remember all of them so likely yeah and oh, oh likely kolar I was likely kolar was the most recent yes, in 2022 Hayden Hurst and Mark Andrews in 2018, Max Williams and Nick Boyle in 2015, Ed Dixon and Dennis Pitta in 2010. Man, Ed Dixon, Dennis Pitta. Yeah. I remember those days. It was good stuff. Dennis Pitta went to BYU and torched Utah every single time that they played him. He was a, probably one of the best college players I've ever seen. <laughs> I can't believe you have that in your memory, just yeah. ready to go. Yeah. Um, so that that's a fun one. I think they are a believer in the fullback position. So they've taken a few fullbacks. They actually drafted Kyle Juszczyk. I did not know that. I thought he's always been the 49ers for some reason. Mm. Um, so they have drafted a couple of fullbacks. They drafted Ben Mason from Michigan uh, two years ago. So the Chargers do not currently have a fullback because they cut Xander Horvath. So something to keep an eye on as well. Yeah. Uh, from Demetrius, how do you guys think QJ Quentin Johnson will fit in a Jim Harbaugh offense? Uh, well, I'd have to go look back at that offense. I'll tell you that much. I really don't know at this point. From what I can tell from watching their offense, I think you generally have, <clears throat> excuse me, you generally have like one do it all guy play in the slot, play outside, run every single route. That's obviously Keenan. They have a short area guy like crossers, meshes. They have a deep vertical guy. At least that's how they run it in college. They kind of like have one one true wide receiver one. And then everybody else kind of fills specific roles. 
So I, I think that they'll be able to find a role for Quentin. I just, I don't know if we ever really see him become like a first round wide receiver type. Um, but listen, man, like guys have turned it around, you know, and uh, if Quentin just works his ass off and gets in the weight room with Ben Herbert, like he's an athletic freak. So, um, but it's, it's going to take a bit. The fit with him is, is a little uh, unclear, shall we say. Yeah, it, it it initially made more sense when Kellen Moore was running three wide receiver sets, four wide receiver sets all the time. Yeah. Not really sure that's the case uh, here with Quinton and Jim Harbaugh and let's say Greg Roman for now. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, question from Isabel. Mm. Uh, what's the lowest you think we could drop in terms of trading back and still get Bowers? And then also, which positions do you think we can get via free agency? So Giants, assuming nobody moves, except for the trade back, Giants quarterback, they might move up, but Tennessee offensive line, Atlanta, you do not get to have Pitts in. Bowers. <laughs> uh, so I, I, don't, I don't count you. Um, Chicago at nine, so let's say furthest back. Yeah, the Bears have Cole Komet on a long-term deal, but he's not like anything. I mean, he's a good tight end, but he's not like... I would love him on the Chargers, but he's not like a, too, you know, uh, a great yeah. tight end in the league, so to speak. Yeah, I think Jets is like your next highest chance of selecting Brock Bowers. If they're now people will throw up their hands and throw fits because Aaron Rodgers played four snaps and got hurt. But I also think that, you know, I think Bowers it would be tough to pass up there if Tennessee goes offensive line. I guess. I don't know who else yeah. could. Technically, the Giants could. I mean, the the Titans just hired Bill Callahan. They're drafting offensive line. Like, you can pencil that in. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't know That's if you knew that or happening. not. But... Yeah. No, I did. Um, yeah. So, I'd say Chicago, well, unless the Giants really don't want a quarterback, but I doubt it. They have to. The so, Vikings have TJ Hawkinson. Right. Den, do not. Oh, please don't walk into I, if he if look if the Chargers don't draft him, Jets need to draft him because he'll go to either Denver or Vegas, and I'll be extremely irritated. Yeah, the I would say ten. I would say, I would say you could trade down to ten, and yeah. maybe still have a chance. But I know yeah. the Vikings are probably. I I feel like the Vikings probably trade up into the top and try and get a quarterback. Mm-hmm. But I. I think somebody like Sean Payton is going to look at Brock Bowers and be like, yeah, I, I can do that. <laughs> yes. Oh, yeah. No. So I guess yeah. I guess 12 would be your or I guess 11 would technically be your floor then. I, I think if you tra- I think if you trade out of the top 10, you were never interested in taking Brock Bowers to begin with. Yeah. And he's sh- like, could those other teams take offensive line? Yeah, but. How are you going to maximize Aaron Rodgers at 30 years old? Maybe adding a generational tight end would be pretty cool for you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Um, all right, a couple more minutes here. From SoCal Michael, will mm-hmm. KM3 fit in with Minter's defense? KM3 is... It's not Kenneth. Is Kenneth Murray a third? No. Somebody help me in the chat. <laughs> K 
km3 oh now i'm trying to <laughs> i'm trying to like think of the draft picks oh gosh kool-aid mckinstry no that wouldn't be it socal michael help us out man kenneth murray okay uh no no i <laughs> i i don't know what else there is to do with kenneth murray i i just think like you just got to move on i i'm not really that interested in seeing round three so yeah uh, i think kenneth did the things he has done well at a higher rate this year but the things that he's always struggled with were always there like he never got better at the areas that we needed to see him get better in so he is a free yeah. agent mm -hmm. i really don't see any point in re-signing him they drafted Dayon henley to be the future guy presumably i don't know how jim harbaugh is going to feel about him but i am not interested <laughs> Yeah, might not have the prettiest linebacker core next year. You know, the, the, the Ravens did just draft a, well, Simpson either right before or after the Chargers took uh, Henley. Uh -huh. So in, in theory, they don't mind going early investment there, but doesn't sound like it's a good class, just like last year wasn't a great class and absolutely nobody contributed at linebacker, I don't think, except Ivan Pace, who yeah. went undrafted. So yeah. I, uh, I mean... We might just for a year have to get not stuck with it sounds me, but like Henley Neiman, Henley Amen. Like it's not going to be the the greatest, you know, Greenlaw Warner kind of duo, but it it, it you got to make some changes, and so it's going to take a bit. Yeah, at linebacker specifically, you could roll with Neiman and Henley this year. Maybe you add kind of a cheap veteran there, which I think would make sense. Um, you could draft Junior Colson from Michigan, which could make sense. But I think, again, you have so many other things that you need. Like some positions are just going to be neglected. So I think linebackers is kind of going to be a little tough next year. <laughs> yeah, that's okay. But I think you all get your wish. And I think Dan Henley will play a lot more this year. Yeah. Um, I guess we could mention this real quick from Cameron. Um, Chargers have been hired or linked to an O-line coach. Um, they have been linked to the Ravens assistant offensive line coach. Mike Devlin is his name. Rather unfortunate because there's another infamous Mike Devlin. So uh, don't Google the other one. <laughs> um, That's what I'm doing right now. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but Mike Devlin, uh, previously the Houston Texans offensive line coach. And then he was the Jets tight end coach before that. Um, the Houston offensive line history isn't necessarily great by any means. Um, but I think, he, I think it's a schematic fit. You know, he obviously measures in kind of the power run game. That's what the, the Chargers are going to be doing under, under Jim Harbaugh. Um, he's going to have the John Harbaugh stamp of approval. I hope there are other candidates, but I'm like fine with Mike Devlin if that's the choice. Yeah. Texans, it's not, it's not a great. I mean, I'm well. The Texans uh, offensive line handled so many injuries and everything this year. Yeah. But there was like, I mean, Titus Howard was a first round pick who got better after Mike Devlin left. Uh -huh. um, there's some other 
Tunsil was already a good player. Tunsil was already the, one of the best left tackles in the league. So yeah, I don't know how much I really like. Kenyon Green, I don't think has done. No, that was after, yeah, because he's oh, been with the after. Ravens. He's been with the Ravens for two years. Yeah, you're right. Um, fun fact: Chargers uh, former offensive line coaches, the Raider Ravens offensive line coach Jody Jody Alessandris, I think is how you say it. Oh, really? Yeah, he was. I think 2014 their offensive line coach. And then let go for James Campen. Somebody, my my, wigging out on that. James Campen. So he was the offensive line coach under Lynn. No, uh, no, he was under McCoy. Okay, now I'm trying to spell D'Alessandris in in the <laughs> on Google, and I'll tell you what that Just is. Just Google not Ravens offensive line coach. No, 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 no. I'm committed to the bit. Uh, <laughs> Chargers, yeah, 2013 to 2015. So it was let go. Yeah. So there was one in between him and Campen then. Because Campen was only for one year in 2020. Oh, I thought that was so much. Oh, okay. Yeah, I don't know. James Campen is available, by the way. There you go. I'm I'm available. (laughs) I am also available, but I don't think the Chargers (laughs) will hire me to coach offensive line. I've only coached middle school offensive line. Hey, you know. Oh, yeah, we did not mention this. That's a great point from Lynn. We can wrap up the show here. Um, the Chargers mm. did hire Corey. Good luck. Crowich? Maybe? Sure. I don't know. Anyways, um, he was the analytics management uh, front office executive from the Baltimore Ravens. He will be joining Joe Hortiz in the front office. Um, everybody in the analytics community said that this was a great hire. I don't know much about him, but. Um, Brad Spielberger, Eric Eager, Arjun, um, Seth Walder, all those guys said that this was an awesome hire. So Chargers uh, analytics department is expanding. So shout out to Corey. Hopefully uh, he does great. Yeah. Worked in hockey as a an intern for the Chicago is it Blackhawks. Blackhawks. Yep. Very, very good. Um, also went to Notre Dame. So finally, the Notre Dame Chargers <laughs> connection finally pays off. Yeah continues continues yeah we'll see if that notre dame tradition continues with the raiders jeez oh, <laughs> lynn says if arjun vouches then we're good arjun was uh he tweeted like four times about him so he was very excited about that one hmm. um all right sounds good so we went uh, a little bit over there hopefully you guys enjoyed the show um Going to have some fun conversations next week. Hopefully, we get some uh, assistant coaching hires as well. Ooh, Corey did an interview with Mina Kimes. All right, well, I'll have to go check that out then. Um, Brendan, if you happen to have the link, feel free to drop that in the chat. Okay, so uh, moving on to real like offseason stuff here. Now we know who the GM is. We know who the head coach is. We can talk about specific scheme fits and everything like that. Um, Hopefully having a fun interview on the Chargers channel next week. Uh, I'll let you guys know about that, Um, but we'll have a great conversation regardless. So thanks so much for tuning in today. As always, make sure you like, subscribe, comment, all that good stuff. If you missed our video on the Chargers channel from yesterday where we reacted to the Joe Hortiz video, please go check that one out. Appreciate you guys so much. As always, bolt up.